up to 10K a month, 20K a month, 30K a month. You can maybe do a lot of it yourself and do your own planning and have simple financial plans and do basic tax planning and things like that. But after you get through that point, you really need to be on top of real-time information yeah. so you can make good decisions. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Founder Stories. I am joined today by Rick Lovell. He is the CEO of Achieve Health. He's a Grow Factor client. He's a friend of mine. I'm super excited. Today, as always, we're going to get into Rick's business journey, but I want to focus a little bit more today on mindset, health, physical fitness, optimization, because we have got this uh, specimen of a man <laughs> in the dining room today. So I think for, for all of us as business owners, our performance at work, especially as, you know, for me, I get into my 40s, which I feel is just when I really started understanding myself and started living. Optimization of health, energy, mindset, doing the right things just mean I think we can perform better and focus more at work and get more results than when I was in my 20s and 30s. So I really want to dig into that because, you know, Rick's a real expert in that. And we both hold a passion on mental and physical optimization. So that being said, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks you. for joining me. We are sat in my dining room turned uh, podcast studio. I guess a good place to get started is just tell us what Achieve Health does. And then we'll rewind the clock and we'll go back to how you got started. Okay. So... Now at Chief Health, so what we do, we offer a wide, um, sort of a fairly wide range of services that all relate to health and well-being. So I'm a physio by background, by training, and that's how the company started. So as I founded the company, it was a physiotherapy. I'm going to sit up um, straighter. That, <laughs> that's grown. <laughs> We've already worked in your posture. Um, so as that kind of grew and developed, um, and then I've been able to grow it more, we'll probably come into why that's that changed at one point. Um, we then start to look at, well, what can we add into this? Because obviously the physiotherapy is one side of it and I'll be speaking to clients about what they're doing away from their sessions and their general health and their general well-being and how if they are spending 9, 10, 12 hours a day at a desk, yeah. then driving home from work, well, pre-pandemic, driving to work, driving home from work, then sitting down all day and their back sore, that half an hour, an hour a week is, is not really sufficient to counteract 99% of the rest of the time being in bad so positions. So you, you were treating them? for things that they'd come in with and you had achieved physio I think was yeah. branded at that time but yeah. you realized quickly that okay I'm fixing the problem in the short term but potentially some of their habits and lifestyle are just resetting the issue and they're having to keep coming back yeah parts of that and then so you'd have if it was someone like you I'd say you need to do this yeah. this and this this is what you need to do and if you don't do it you're going to keep getting the problem yeah you'd go and do it and you'd be fine yeah but that's not the majority of people yeah so, then it's but like still you need me to though. Know. To be fair, because you <laughs> saw me about my shoulder, right? I had a shoulder issue. It's causing me pain. It was affecting my ability to work and focus, which is kind of what I want to get into today. You identified the issue. You fixed the problem. You gave me the exercises, which I did religiously for the first five or six weeks. But then you easily, everyone, even me, falls out of the habit of Especially doing Especially when you feel better as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have zero shoulder pain now, right? But yeah. I should still be doing the exercises. To an extent. Um, then equally with you, if we're talking about you specifically, by going through the process you went through, we eliminated your problem. Yeah. So as long as you, and then we 
we looked into how you were training and how you were moving the weights and the biomechanics of the movements and what yeah. you should be engaging, how you should be engaging in the yeah. kind of correct patterning. As long as you're actually then doing that, you shouldn't develop problems. Yeah. So once you've addressed the problem and corrected it and then you move correctly, yeah. it should be okay. So the analogy we always use with patients is in talking about biomechanics, whether that's your foot and ankle mechanics, whether it's the way you squat or the way you press or the way you cycle, whatever it may be, it's a bit like the tracking on the car. So if the tracking's out, your tires are going to wear. Yeah. The more you drive, yeah. the more they're going to wear. Yeah. If you stop driving, they stop wearing. Yeah. There'll be problems still there. And you can put new tires on and they look great, but the underlying problem is still there. And yeah, until you address you... that, you will have ongoing issues. Whereas if you address the underlying issue, yeah. do the work that we did to correct the, the tires, so yeah. put a fresh set of tires on yeah. with corrected mechanics and alignment, then we should be fine. Yeah, which I found incredible actually, thinking about it now. You realize the way that I was executing my movements, which I've been doing for, you know, I I snuck into the gym when I was 15 and lied about my age <laughs> so I could join the gym. So I've been executing these movements incorrectly for 26 years. Now, when I'm training back, for example, I've made the amendments that you've given me and the things to do in between lifting. And I've never felt um, a connection to the muscle like I have these last six months, my back development, which is no, you know, it's, it's definitely related has come on leaps and bounds yeah. and I have no pain. So it's incredible that I've seen variety of people through the years who gave the treatment, but didn't look at the underlying cause. So let's go back. So achieve health now is more holistic. So yes. how do you, how yeah. do you help people so across a suite of services? If you jump back to where we were, um, I, train a lot always have and I got a bit frustrated with the gym where I trained in terms of just how how people were treated the training that was offered and I do a lot of the kind of CrossFit stuff but yeah. you know like I, we've talked about earlier like with the I like the strength side as well I think it's massively important yeah and then with our clients it was like oh they'd go to the gym and they do it on their own and they, they do it wrong uh they would then say oh I've got a PT and they potentially do it with the PT but maybe the PT you know didn't know quite what needed to be done how it needed to be done or didn't have quite the, you know, the, the, the biomechanical knowledge needed for that client to, to do it correctly. And so they come back and there's a problem again. And I started asking like, well, what if, you know, we created something for you where you could come and you could train, you could be overseen by someone. And I was quite surprised by how many people were like, yeah, yeah, I'd really yeah. value that. So yeah. we then just kind of got the ball rolling on. Well, if we have a gym, it works well. I'd like somewhere else to train. Um, and then... To, again, to make the standard of training better and the service offered better and give people more in terms of their health. And yeah. I know that if from the, most of our clients and well, people in general, if they do resistance training and they do it well, their life will be better. The yeah. single biggest predictor of mortality is muscle mass. The single so this biggest is, predictor yeah, yeah. of mortality. So this is really well research proven and there's okay. literally hundreds and hundreds of papers on it. Yeah. But the single biggest predictor of mortality is muscle mass. Now there's a but there are things you can extrapolate from that. Yeah. But you can go as simple as like a grip dynam dynamometer, just yeah. a squeeze. The stronger someone is on that, 50, 60, 70, yeah. the longer and the healthier they'll live. Okay. Within a tolerance, right? If you've got some bodybuilder that's artificially raising their muscle okay. past a certain yes. point, so that's you, a given. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, yeah. A, just a caveat yes. for, yeah, for those so, that are listening that are not as yeah. into health and fitness yes. as we are that understand that that's a caveat that, that goes unsaid. Yeah, I totally agree then. Yeah. And, and naturally, when you get into your 30s and your 40s, you want to maintain and build muscle, exactly. which keeps you strong. And I was listening to a podcast, 
I kind of for these podcasts I listen to other podcasts in the morning just to get my mind in that in that flow of uh, and inspired by by other people and I was listening to Dr. Lane Norton talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. super intelligent guy actually I've been listening to him for probably 20 years he was talking about um you know muscle research and longevity and just making sure that you focus on building muscle rather than you know, first almost, and the way that you're executing over pure cardio fitness and other things, if what you're after is to live a really long and healthy life. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, there's some great, a couple of great podcasts where Lane Norton is on, I can't remember off the top of my head, if it's Andrew Huberman's podcast or Peter Atiyah's. It might actually be both. Yeah, I think he's been on both. Uh, and they're both great. But it's that, Again, I'm conscious I've not answered your question properly, but okay. when That's you're what we do, yeah. in terms of health and longevity, you're then into the question of, is it lifespan or is it health span? Yeah. I know for me personally, it's, like I'd, it's health span and I'd rather be go at 95 and be fit and healthy all the way through that as opposed to being 120 in, in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the thing of, okay, the people that live the longest eat one meal a day. <laughs> yeah. They live in India in a village. They're vegetarian. Yeah. They walk a lot. They have really low muscle mass, yes. so their bodies aren't having to do much. Yeah, so... But do you want... We've had this conversation before. Mm. Would I want to live my life at 10 stone instead of 15 and a half stone and, and live on one meal a day and live like a monk? No. I'd rather live 10 less years and have my exactly. lifestyle. 100%. Yeah, 100%. So what's the mission of Achieve Health as a group? So Achieve Health now, so if I kind of jumped in what we're talking about, so now we've got the physiotherapy, we've got chiropractic, we've got the gym, which falls under the Achieve Health group. Um, we've which got, is a nice personal project, so you get your own perfect personal gym the, to train in. I know you work with other people that have gyms, yeah. and um, this is the brilliant irony, and I've heard it said before, it's the open gym thing you get more time to train, open yeah. gym, end up training less. Okay. Um, but that is equally part to, part of, I think, um, what's happening across the rest of the business group but the trade-off there is i do get to say to the wife she's like have you trained today like, well go. yes i have with the two kids at home yeah but that's thankfully built into my my work now at so gym, um, yeah, i had to be at the yeah. gym i had yeah. to be there for a work reason i've been meeting with the staff may have fitted in a session while i mean i, I wrote that into our our verbal contract when we got married <laughs> training has to come first otherwise yep you know, and, and listeners or viewers will have this as well. And it might not be training. It might be something else. You have to do that thing. Otherwise you're not yourself. 100%. And you want to be your best self for your partner, for your kids. We'll talk about that. And so I think Kieran understands that now. She thinks I'm a bit crazy at the moment because I'm dieting for no reason or ultimately because I wanted to do a bodybuilding show, but I didn't want to sacrifice family yeah. to get that lean, to get ripped glutes lean but I wanted to test how lean I could get while still being a normal person to see if I could maybe compete next year. Yeah. So today I went to the gym in the morning and then I said to her, well, I can pick up the kids, but I do have to squeeze in 30 minutes on the stairs as well. So I'll try and move a few things around. She's like, you don't have to. Like, who are you accountable to? And my answer was, well, I'm accountable to myself. Voices in Because I said I would do 3,000 calories of cardio a week. And if I don't, I'm letting myself down. Anyway, we're getting off topic, but so that what if you had to put it in a sentence, what's the mission of Achieve yeah. Health? We're trying to create a, a one-stop shop. So okay. if you think about this, isn't meant to sound negative, but the this way is the not going to be a sentence. This is not going to be one sentence, right? Is it? Well, the same way the supermarket kind of put the high street out of business because yeah. everything was in one roof. You yeah. want to do the same for your health, your wellness, okay. your fitness. 
Okay, so someone can come to you. What's their why? Why do they why do they come to achieve? Is it to live longer? Is it to optimize their so, life while they're alive? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think most people don't, in terms of what you just said to there, I think most people aren't aware of that. Okay. So they normally come to us, generally speaking, so that why do they come to us out of degree of desperation because something hurts or something is painful? Is the from the the non-gym side of it. So that's kind of how you attract clients, which would have been one of my follow-up questions. We talk about a business being able to attract, yeah. convert, and deliver to clients. How you are attracting enough leads to convert at the moment yeah. to keep growing your business is people have pain and people have problems, and that's where they initially come. Is that yes, probably so right? for the majority, if you talk about revenue, the majority of the that business comes from someone having a, an issue with pain, soreness, discomfort, yeah. um, is the, the primary driver across yeah. the business. And most of them want to come in, they're like, oh, my, my back hurts, my knee hurts, my whatever it may be hurts. And I just want it to be a bit better so I can go back to doing normal things. Yeah. Uh, and what will often happen is we'll say, okay, so what are your goals? Yeah. It's walk the dog, pick the kids up, play football, go to the gym. Yeah. Okay, fine, great. And then as we work through, we'll you know keep revisiting those goals and where we are and that we're working towards them. But we'll often then say is when we get to them, it's like, Okay, so this was your base goal, but what would be your utopia? So let's say you're, you're the picture of health and fitness and wellness. Yeah. What would you like to be able to do? And it's something no one thinks about. Mm. Or not many people think about. And so they come to you. There's two things that I just want to mention. There's, they come to you for one thing, which they think is going to be a transaction. But actually where you work with them to understand that you can have a relationship in the long term and they get a return on their investment so they're investing money with you, but their return is health, longevity, the way they feel, yeah. energy, creative output, all Absolutely. of these things. And so that would be for any business owner that's listening. If you have a transactional business, you've obviously maybe done this subconsciously, but think about how you could add value to your clients in the long term. How could you take that individual transaction? Maybe someone's buying your online course. Maybe someone's taking one PT session. How could you then take that where you're working really, really hard to get that person through the door? And then you're just letting them go. Yeah. Whereas with you, for people who have got the budget, do see the value, are a good fit for you, you're working with them across the long term, right? Yeah, absolutely. We try to. And I think we've talked this before, you know, I'm a big fan of sort of the personal development stuff and Tony Robbins. Yeah. And, and so much of that is, is just it's, if you add enough value... Yeah, you do one course with Tony do well. or a free challenge yeah. and you think, oh, I did that free challenge. I feel amazing. Then you go to UPW. Yeah. You do UPW, you walk on fire and you think, that was unreal. I feel a better version of myself. Let me go to business mastery and so on and so exactly. on. Exactly. So the same way that kind of builds. I think what we try and have with the clients coming to the, the, the physio side and the chiropractor side of the business is exactly that. So you've come in because you want your, your back fitting. That's fine. We'll work through that. We will tick that box. Yeah. Have you thought about this or this or this or yeah. what if you do that? And then just giving them that extra value. Yeah. So they've come in to, can you fix my back? Yes, we can fix your back. And it's not a salesy thing. No, it's not. I remember with you and me, we spoke about it. You fixed the problem, but you said, look, really, we need to get in the gym and have a look at the way you're moving, which made sense to me logically. That's a natural progression. Yeah. You do the treatment, you have the, the movements to do, but actually you need to see me. And then after that, there'll be something else and it's logical, but it's presented. You presented that to me in such a way that here's what I'd recommend. I'm trying to genuinely give you advice that will help. If that's right for you, let's do it. Let's book it in. Here's the, the fixed price for that, etc. But it's not, 
upsell, 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 which sometimes people get wrong. That it's balance. a choice. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to take this further, so you've seen what we can do. If you want to keep progressing, we can yeah. absolutely do that. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, that's absolutely fine. And we're always here if you need anything. And do you know what? I think so many businesses, they fall down on that. I think even if you took one thing from this podcast, just from the business advice side, it would be the follow-up. I had a massage with a really good massage lady that came to the house, had the massage, she went away, there was no follow-up. Whereas if she'd have said before she left the house... How did you find it? Would you like to book in again in two weeks' time? Same with the dog groomers that come and groom the dog. They groom the dog, yeah. they leave. Yeah, hair's going to grow again. Why not rebook the dog while you're at the property? You know, like, it just makes sense if the client's happy, like you said, and they've had value. Yeah. Okay. Um, and just rewinding a little bit. How did you get started? And what was the reason for going from, presumably you did... A degree qualification in physio yeah what what happened after you did your degree so did my degree and on as part of your physio degree you do placements um and generally sent out to placements in hospitals or whatever it may be and then you've got your three main disciplines of physiotherapy where you've got your musculoskeletal so that's your typical injuries sports non-sports backs knees etc etc you've got your neurological physiotherapy so that's your rehabilitation for strokes and for various other neurological conditions and then you've got your cardiorespiratory so that's kind of some of the physio that's done for um things like um uh, cystic fibrosis or cpod or kind of chest and lung related problems yeah and i i knew going into university that i wanted to do the musculoskeletal and the sports and that side of it is that because you had a sports background um I, yeah i've always enjoyed sports i was never quite good enough unfortunately um i i hurt my knee quite badly when i was um just before i turned 16 and that caused me a lot of problems and surgery and everything else and then not the best care um and then just told you can't do any contact sports for a year and were you playing rugby or football Foot- at that time? I did it playing football. Um, and yeah, surgery, they took out a fragment of bone that came off the bottom of my femur. And then they literally go back and I thought I had cartilage surgery. Um, <laughs> no idea. And they're like, oh no, no, you can't do anything for 12 months. Well, no contact sports. So again, okay, fine. As soon as you feel like it doesn't hurt too much and my dad's a bit old school. So when I did it, yeah. um, and literally everyone on the pitch heard my something go crunch and crack. Yeah. He wasn't there. My granddad was. And he said, I'll oh, just bring him home and put some peas on it. You know, it was that, it was that <laughs> yeah. sort of mentality. The knee was sort of out here. Yeah, you'll be back soon. Um, and so it was like, how's it, did it hurt? I was like, well, not too bad. I said, oh, come on, we'll go for a run. Yeah. So it was just all, so then I start running on it and playing squash on it and doing all yeah. these things because it wasn't contact sport. And it kind of hurt a bit, but you carried on. And then 12 yeah. months later, you go back and they're like, okay, yeah, you should be fine now. So off I went, started playing football again, rugby again. <laughs> Four months later, I tore over my cartilage. Um... And it was that point I was like, really wishing to know more about this. And I'd already resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to be a professional footballer or a rugby player. Yeah. And I kind of thought, oh, what's the next best thing? I thought, oh, you know, maybe being a physio would be it. And yeah, that's amazing. So you didn't want other people to go through that same journey um, as you? I hadn't got to that point okay. by then, but I didn't want to sit behind a desk all day. Yeah, I didn't think I wanted to be in an office. And I thought that would be the next kind of closer thing to being involved in sport. For yeah. me. Um, and then... Going back to your question, sorry, what happened through uni? I did all these placements thinking I probably wouldn't enjoy them and it, I didn't. And so I started pestering. Um, I called up a couple of the football clubs and 
I managed to get a number for the, I managed to get hold of the, the treatment room at Blues of Birmingham City. Yeah. So I rang there a few times and like got Birmingham told to City go away. I being a Villa fan, but um, I mean, they've got a good setup there. And kind of rang again, I don't know what time it was, and got through and it was like, are you the kid that keeps calling? It's like, yeah, can I just do some shadowing please? And they're like, all right, fine, yeah. stop calling. So you offered to come in and work for free basically, yeah. to shadow, but I guess do whatever they wanted you to do. And that's such a lesson for people. I think nowadays, especially younger people, they want everything on a plate really quickly and they're not willing to to understand. You have to go through a period of graft yeah. where you might do things for free. Like I worked for a year as an accountant, did all my friends, family, whoever would let me, did their accounts for free. It's like, I don't know an entrepreneur that's successful that's gone straight in and just started getting paid. Maybe in the world of Instagram businesses and things like that nowadays, but then they don't seem to last that long because they haven't built that core foundation. But equally, they didn't start with hundred thousand followers. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure there's probably a period of time where. Yeah, I guess they were putting out content, they were building it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no overnight successes and all there's those things. There's always that. Yeah, there's always a big backstory to those overnight. But that's an amazing story for you to ring and ring and ring one of the top, probably the top in the Midlands anyway, academy development setup of any football club and they've let you go and shadow then what happened from there so they let me go and shadow and i went down most saturday mornings for about six months um and you're not getting paid at this point no so were you just living at home and i was a student so um on the saturday morning i you know they didn't have anything else like fixing my schedule so Daniel went and um, rather than being most people would have yeah. gone out and got smashed on a Friday yeah. night and yeah. just been hung over on and a Saturday so my old boss there my old mentor actually Yarnick we talked about earlier was amazing guy mass like huge influence on my life um, and he, he's brilliant he's, he's from Sunderland and quite old school and it was don't be late don't be sick yeah either one of those happens you're gone yeah okay <laughs> that was day one yeah. <laughs> okay so, and it was, and it'd be whatever happens. So some days I got to stand in the treatment room and watch and shadow. Other days I was like, right, go and take that out to the under 12s and yeah. or go and do it. And so I just, did as I was told. And then as it got like progressed on and um, got to points where like, I have got to do my exams and my dissertation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Any chance I can have a job afterwards, please? Yeah. And the long short of it was actually, yeah, you, you've not been like, you've not been sick, have you? I was like, no. He's like, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So do something for free. But don't treat it like you're doing it for free. Work super hard, right? And you yeah. know there's no guarantee of you getting something at the end, but you're gaining experience. You're, you're learning from it and you're exposed yeah. to something you're not otherwise going to be exposed to. Yeah. And it, then if nothing else, it gives you an advantage that maybe other people don't have. And I think it comes back to that. There's the, you know, I might get the, the phrasing wrong, but you know, to get something other people don't have, yeah. you have to do what other people don't do. Yeah. And it's the... I think it's that simple sometimes. But to have that mentality at a young age, I think, is is good. It's not something I had. I worked at KPMG. I've said this before on the first episode of Founder Stories that I worked there. I had that opportunity. I didn't realise, okay, I've got onto an ACA chartered accountancy programme. Probably 10,000 people apply. They take a few, a few hundred. It's really hard to get on there. And then now I'm working in audit and I'm in the first year. So what do I expect? other than I'm walking around ticking boxes and doing photocopying. But I had access to go in and speak to the chief financial officers of top FTSE 100 listed companies. And I might have been going in 
doing what they call a walkthrough. So you ask them about their internal processes okay. and all of this stuff. But my attitude was like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm better than this. I don't want to go in and just talk about, like, how do you chase for payment? I already know. It's already documented. He knows and I know this is just a box-ticking exercise that needs to get done to get their audit report, which they yeah. need to carry on trading. But my mentality should have been, which I'm sure would have been your mentality at that at that age, go in, do what you've got to do, and then say to them, listen, can I just have 10 minutes of your time just to talk to you about your journey and to learn from you? And all of them were super nice. All of them would have given me that time, but I didn't never I never did that in three years. I just moaned and whined about, you know, the the level that I was being given work at. Yeah. Right? So I don't think everyone has that. I think that mentality is rare at that age. I think I saw. I didn't see it as work. I saw it as an opportunity that not really many people would get. So I didn't think of it as I've got to go and work on Saturday morning for free. Yeah. It, in my head, it was I get. I've got. I get to go and do this. And also, like I was, you know, I was twenty-one and I was quite into my football. And the guys that I was watching on Match of the Day. Yeah. Which is like there, you know, and it was like, oh, like Mikel Forsell and I mean, yeah. people might remember that one. But, he, you know, there were some decent players there at the time. And it was for me, I was like, again, maybe is that a different situation where I was a bit like starstruck to begin with. And it's like, oh, wow, like these are people I watch on TV and these are like at the top of the game. And yeah. it was just the opportunity to go and do that, I think, was also. So it may be, I think, with those two things being combined, it made it that little bit easier. But um, I kind of, you said about the ringing it repeatedly, that... I learned that lesson when I didn't get into uni. So physio is really competitive, competitive to get into grade wise. Yeah. yeah. And when I went, you had to get, I went to uh, University of Birmingham, you had to get AAB in your A levels. And I yeah. got ABB. I got ABB as well. Yes. And the best people do. Yeah. I? Yeah. And so I looked on the, the thing online and it was like, um, you've not got him. And I was like, Mm, oh, that's not okay. Yeah, this this wasn't the plan. And, and I was like, no, but I really, really want to do this. And so my, um, I was quite upset. And I spoke to our head of sixth form and she was like, oh, there's, there's probably not a lot you can do really. Mm. Um, and I remembered like the, the woman that interviewed me for the course was one of the like course selectors. So I, um, I asked if I could use the phone in our, the office in our sixth form, head of sixth form's office. Mm. And I called uh, the university and said, can I speak to um, this person? And they're like, who is it? I said, oh, my name's level. I'm a student, a prospective student. Can I, they're like, no. So five months later, I called back and I said, I was the head of sixth form at the school. Do what you got to do. Um, and they put me through. Yeah. And I said, look, sorry, I may have lied a little bit. Um, my name's Rick Level. Um, you did my interview, uh, it was you and so-and-so. I got an offer fairly quickly. Um, I'm hoping I maybe come across well in the interview. And, I, and she actually says, I, I remember, which is helpful because when I did my physio course, it was 75, 80% female. So I think the guys maybe are easy to remember. And she's like, I do remember. She's like, how have you got through to me? So I was like, mm, I did this. She's like, why have you done that? I was like, I really, really want to do this course. And I'm, I, I'm telling you, if you let me on, like I will do well and I'll, I, I won't disappoint like and she's like mm, I don't know don't normally do it and I was just like look please I just begged a little bit yeah um he said okay well we'll come back to you and then we got a call back about an hour later they said we've okay you've got a place wow 
and that so that taught you right it's reinforcement yeah even um, subconsciously even if you didn't remember that lock it down and then review it yeah. it's taught you it was something that i really wanted i don't think i'd ever actually wanted something that much yeah prior to that and then to think to, to naively think i was going to have it and then have it all of a sudden no you've not like yeah hit me really really hard and i kind of just thought you know what i've got it what what's the worst case scenario yeah. i haven't got a place worst case scenario is i still haven't got a place so fuck it <laughs> yeah and tony robbins always talks about which you've done anyway which i guess is why you've enjoyed his work and found a connection with him he always talks about you can do anything if you're resourceful enough mm. you know too many people will not sit down and say well here's the problem what resources do I have to solve that problem? What possible actions could I take to solve the problem? Your problem is you didn't get into university, you only missed it by one grade, which we all know is a load of bullshit, right? That, that doesn't mean you're not gonna do well on the course. Your attitude above people who got three A's would mean you'll do well on the course because you're not gonna be out all the time, you're gonna be working hard and you're gonna be so grateful of the opportunity if they give it to you. But you, you wouldn't get many student age how old are you at this point 18 18, yeah. 18 year olds thinking well okay well i've rung up i haven't got through that's when they'd stop then you've been even more resourceful to say well if i ring up again but lie about who i am that's how i get past the gatekeeper <laughs> which is a great technique for sales calls as well right how do you get past the gatekeeper yeah. lie about who you are until you get through and then yeah i just think it's amazing i think it's a really great lesson for people because in business you come again you come up against issues you come up against problems on a daily basis and if you're not a resourceful person or you don't cultivate an attitude a mindset of resourcefulness you will eventually give up at some point because it'll be too much banging your head business running a business is a bit like banging your head against the wall every day you get up you have to be willing to bang it in a slightly different way yeah, to make it down in the wall right day. So you, you got in you've done the course you found a mentor which yeah. again is another example of resourcefulness you're at Blues, yeah. what happened from Blues to then forming Achieve Health? Yeah. Um, so finding that mentor who was a guy called Neil McDonald, who's a, he was head of medical there, had been for a long, long, long time. What was interesting with him, apart from him as a person, was normally in football, the manager brings in their person, their people, their team. Yeah. And he'd been there for 10 years through, I don't know how many managers. And I think he had, a, I think he had one, he left briefly. I think he had a bust up with Trevor Francis. And then I think after he was gone, the, the owners were like, we need him back. Yeah. And he was there through a few. And probably quite amusingly, the other way around to what people might expect was I kind of learned how to treat people by treating the players. Okay. Because you're in yeah. a, a big treatment room. There's multiple beds. Yeah. There's the the whole physio team. Yeah, I've um, seen that on. Um, have yeah, you watched the documentaries so on Amazon yeah, Prime yeah, like and stuff like that? Nothing, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just yeah. like that. So there's like six beds, and the the whole medical team are in there. And it'd be like, right, I want you to do this and this. And like, the first couple of months were horrendous. Yeah. Just got slaughtered. Um, because it'd be like, right, I want you to do this and this. And so you're there, and you're trying to do something, and it's like, who the fuck are you doing? don't really know um don't do it like that do it like this okay okay, okay. so that would happen yeah, yeah, day yeah. after day but then so you get learning. hammered by the lads so they're like right is, they're like oh i don't want the new one is shit <laughs> and so the lads will take the piss out of each other like, well clearly that's you in the pecking order because you're shit so you get the shit physio and i'm great so it's a different environment with footballers right completely they, they Again, will tell you what it was different think. then as well like, i imagine it's quite yeah. di different now um and there was never like there was a lot of banter um <laughs> a lot 
but it was always kind of um it was never nasty it was always just yeah yeah just that but then it's uh but they want to test you as well to oh, see if you can yeah, do they it do. yeah 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 they will test you and because that's their career at the end of the day they don't want you working exactly on them that. unless they yeah they build some confidence with you but um being in that environment and having like someone of that level there to turn and go no don't do it like that do it like this yeah 10 times a day seven days a week yeah is you learn quickly you're seeing probably all kinds of different issues yeah quite a bit and then but the great thing is they've been assessed and they've been diagnosed and he was awesome he's got it right and he's told you what to do to fix it so then that you're just learning it like as you go along yeah Uh, and then after probably five six months there Ironically, he was happy enough that I was at a certain standard where he let me start treating patients privately. Okay. So we had like patients that he'd see outside of the football club. And it wasn't until that point he was happy I'd got to a standard working on the players. It'd be like, okay, you can see these okay, guys Okay, so well. through his brand and his yes. company, you yeah. were yeah. helping him support more and people. And then long story short is that kind of the private work grew. And another one of the guys at the club was involved in doing that as well. And it grew a bit further. And nearly been working in that level of football for a long time and it's I think people always think it's quite glamorous but it's not necessarily well, it's blues as well so it wasn't we weren't you know playing against Juventus in the Champions League <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we weren't going to the Bernabeu so you know it's it's evenings it's weekends it's yeah. all the bank holidays it's Boxing Day it's Christmas Day it can be all sorts so he'd got to the point where he's like I've I've done my time here. I've had enough. Yeah, that's right. He built the private business to the point where he could leave football and not lose revenue. Yeah. And he had some grand plans. And I was, you know, I was just completely kind of under his, like, guidance and massively respected him. And said, like, this is what I want to do. This is the plan. This is how we'll do it. And I was like, yeah. So he'd kind of said he was going to leave that summer. And he um, wanted to take you along with him then yeah. at that point. Yeah. And then one of the other guys as well. So we did. And then we had this sort of private company that was called Physio World at the time. And that grew and we had probably seven or eight guys and sort of five, four or five clinics. And then that got, we got approached by a um, big law firm. And this was I don't know, 12 odd years ago. So like the, the market, the, our market's changed a lot, but Whiplash was kind of becoming a thing. Yeah. And the insurance companies were paying out on it. So we, we got approached by this law firm. They're like, look, we've got X amount of referrals. We yeah. already give this many to you. You get good results and you're efficient. Yeah. If we guarantee your number of referrals per region with your open clinics there. And it was kind of a bit of an offer you can't refuse. If you don't take this offer where we're going to buy 51% of your business, yeah. we're going to take all this and go somewhere else. Okay. So anyway, so th- that deal was done. And um, again, like... My Neil was a massive driving force in my life. He's a force of nature as well. So when they're in like your three-year goal is to open 100 clinics, that was your one done, 100 clinics. Wow. Um, so you opened 100... It was carnage. Physiotherapy <laughs> clinics... Inside a year. In a year. Wow. But that, then it's, I mean, we're talking about different things, but that came down to the, the team. So the initial eight or nine guys who'd been handpicked and that some came in and then they went out fairly quickly because yeah. of um, the way it worked and from a HR point of view, you might not be able to get away with some of it nowadays, but it was very much, uh, you know, this is what you do. This is how you do it. Yeah. It's a, it's non-negotiable. This is a dictatorship. Yeah. Do as you're told, you'll see results. Yeah. If you don't do as you're told, we won't get results and we'll know because you're not getting results and that'll be that. Yeah. So we had this team of guys who were brilliant and Neil sort of said to him, will you give me 18 months? And go to the northwest, the northeast, the southwest. We'll pay you, blah blah blah. We'll support you, and they did. Yeah. 
And so we had these generals that went off and then just like replicated what we were trying to do. Which, in a certain area. Uh, which, is yeah. only, which is what allowed us to do it. Um, part of that deal was there was an exit option down the line. And depending on the volume of work that came from that law firm, yeah. that would dilute our value. So if less than 40% of the work came from them, we'd get full value. So at that point, the only thing Neil said was dilute them. Yeah. Dilute it, dilute it, dilute it, get yeah. full value. So yeah. Yeah. it just, it was a chaotic sort of four or five years. But by the time we got to that point, there were, it was the biggest company in the country by distance. Wow. Um, there were mm, over 200 clinics. They were doing 12,000 treatments a week across all of them. Uh, it was a bit of a monster. Yeah. It was challenging to control. Um, then, but it was, it was a massively interesting experience. Ended up going to work down at, um, run another company that was part of the group that was just, wasn't a physical company, the big like processing admin kind of function. Okay. So I saw all of that side of it and all of the office politics and all that shit and yeah. ended up project managing an IT system. Which is communication. Well, I think that if was a company's yeah, growing that fast, you was, get dragged into all areas. So, yeah, yeah, the law firm was big. They've been trying to put in this IT system for three years, a, like a custom bespoke one across their businesses. And it's always that typical thing. And looking back now, it's like the IT people haven't spoken to the users. The users haven't spoken, well, they just assume they want this. And they've got it, well, they don't like it. So they send, well, they're rubbish. They send a shit email, well, they're idiots. So they send, and they just got nowhere. Yeah. So up, anyway, by the by, ended up doing that. And then there's an exit option. Um, as part of the contract and by this point it was I don't know, seven eight years later and the business was pretty valuable yeah. and my old gaffer said look I've had enough um, they won't let us run with it mm-hmm. so they'd let us run with it it'd grown it had done really well yeah. and then we wanted to di- diversify it and go back into high end stuff because we'd started with this Premier League standards of treatment available yeah. to the public yeah. and it ended up being this kind of high volume like social machine of in one end out there because the insurance companies just wanted in tick the box out but they were they owned 51 percent. yes then yeah and then obviously we did it for other providers as well it was yeah. it was shrewd on them they had referrals they sent into their intermediary company they then had a network of physios so they're like well actually if we own the physio we send our work into our own intermediary company yeah. from there into the physio company that we own half of yeah. so all the revenue just comes back in it was shrewd on their part. Mm. Um, it'd probably be an investigation into that now because questionable practice. Mm. Yeah, this exit option came up and we'd wanted to kind of, we'd made the company successful, made the, the owner like the law firm. He was, you know, that was making more money than his law firm. Wow. But they wouldn't but that give is us just any money about, back you know, to like invest. See an opportunity. Yeah. You know, you could have said no to that. They could have also not seen the opportunity. Yeah. So a good learning point there, I don't know whether the size of the business will be relatable to the viewers and the listeners, but the learning point there is relatable, which is do look outside of your own business. Look at opportunities to either partner with other businesses in other industries or create deals where you've got a consistent flow of leads. I had Harvey from Mahir's on last week. He was a catering company in the Midlands. Okay. He's signing deals with local schools, football clubs, Commonwealth Games, all of these types of things to secure big, high-value, recurring catering deals rather than just looking at individual elements. So always think big and always try and sit down, have thinking time and think about what big leap-forward type opportunities are there. 
Yeah, right? yeah. So it, again, and it wasn't in our plans. Our plans, as I said, was Premier League standards of treatment about it with the public. But you were doing a really great super job, super high yeah. level of service, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, hang on, there's this opportunity. Yeah. And but that only came to you, presumably, because you built a great brand and you were known. It wasn't. I don't think it was so much because of the brand. I think it was just because of the. They looked at their. They looked at their numbers in terms of, from their point of view, the insurers. How quickly they assessed. How quickly to get the reports back. How quickly oh, they okay. discharged. So your what's internal efficiency was really good. It made their lives easier because they were booked in quickly. They were treated, and the reporting was done quickly. They were like, "Oh, this this makes our life easier." Yeah, yeah. So I think it was more that, but. That is because they were treated the same way that our private clients would have been, whereby it's like, we want to get you the best possible results as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was, and then there was the standards thing. Like, everyone's standards had to be there. Yeah. And it didn't matter who you saw, like the patient or whatever, it had to be that. So I think that was indirectly trying to provide Premier League standards of treatment is what led to those sort of um, outcomes in, in terms of the reporting and the processing that the insurers, the insurance companies like. So, so you sold... That business was. Yeah, so the exit option came up and the reason, I mean, Neil was less young and the, the company was valuable and was kind of a bit stuck in that kind of slightly different corporate world where we couldn't be too entrepreneurial and go, oh, let's do this or let's try that, let's try yeah, that. Yeah. And then you get this, there's a board. Oh, can we do this? No. Oh, we're going to do that. No, you're not going to do that. And Yeah, it's back to the it's culture like, of yeah, the placements think, that you yeah. had pre-Blues that you didn't enjoy, right? Yeah, and I think... Since then, I've learned, and you see this in like the business, well, startup and investment or whatever else, that often the founders end up leaving. Yeah. Because they they like this drive, this this whatever. But actually, once it gets to a certain size, what they need, they want is stability. And what it probably needs is stability. Yeah. And yeah. Just, business is different. Uh, it varies. Yeah. Hundred k to a million, a million to ten million. Yeah. Everything's different. Absolutely. And I kind of I, I learned, I've learned that since, and I see that now. And we wanted to then go back into, right, we've, we've been profitable. Well, now let's, we want to open the, what we're kind of looking at doing now, these super centres where yeah. it is like being in the Premier League treatment room. Yeah. And that wasn't an option um, that we were going to be allowed to do. And then as soon as my old gaffer said, I'm going, I thought, well, if he's gone, I've got no say yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, so I'll go. I'd, I mean, I had very small shareholding, but I had a little bit of shareholding that he'd given me and the other lad did as well. And it meant I could leave. Uh, with a little bit of a payout that meant I didn't have to worry for a year or two about paying my bills and doing whatever else. So I thought, fine, we'll go back into like actually doing something that I really do enjoy in the, the treatment side of it. Yeah. Uh, which is when I found sort of a chief physio. And so did you have a break after your... Um, probably had, yeah. So when it was when it got to the point where it was a, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. Um, it was almost a, like a two, three months gardening leave type yeah. situation where I did have something of a break. Um, we then got uh, sort of the payout, so to speak. So probably had a couple of months and we kind of redid the whole house, which we've been waiting to do for a while. Yeah. And then sort of started again. And then- Did you, did you have kids at that point or? No. No, okay. No. But you were married? No, not at that point. Okay. No, so this would be what, seven, eight years ago, seven years ago. Um, with three years restricted, part of the agree the exit agreement was three years restrictive covenant. So okay. staff, clients, the whole thing, nothing to do with the old business. But I yeah. had it agreed that I could work independently. Okay. So three years where I just worked independently, uh, started under the brand away. achieve or just yeah. under your own. Yeah, name? yeah, under the brand achieve. So that's and my did you come brand. up with that name yes. yourself? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because at the time when I set it up, I thought long term, I, like, I want to have something that will be 
able to like Bigger do different you. things. Yeah, yeah, so I didn't want it to be my name. Yeah. And I wanted something that it would like link into other things. And I just thought it just, and I'm the Tony Robbins aspect of like power words. So like, yeah. is it a powerful word? Like, does yeah. it mean something? Yeah. And for me, yeah. I was like, yeah, it does. And it's also something I kind of just, for me, and like you talked about like why you need to go and do your 3000 calories because you told, you promised yourself you would. Yeah. It's like, well, if it's, if it's called that, it's, you've got to make sure it does that in some yeah. capacity. Yeah. But then I'd also thought it then lends itself to health, fitness, mindset, like yeah. all those other things. So kind of why I picked it. So kind of three years working on my own. And then as that was coming towards an end, I was like, right. Um, tapped up a couple of people we used to work with. Yeah. Um, one of whom she was always great. She's my number two. And I was like, what, what's going on? Yeah. And she was like, it's gone to, it's not gone to shit. She was like, our culture is gone. Our culture was like entrepreneurial is about winning. It's about not making excuses. Yeah. It was a bit, like at the football club, a lot of banter, a lot of kind of... Yeah, whereas a corporate organisation is always going to be exactly. about how do we squeeze out more profits. Yeah, and what they were starting to do was squeeze out our senior guys because they got paid more. Yeah. They didn't understand the, how valuable they were. They didn't understand yeah. that they were the business and they made it all work. So they were, started, they were getting rid of them. They were making excuses. They were closing down. It was just all that. It was crap. And she was like, yeah. So she came across which was amazing because she was ready-made. We had her out in the old business. We had her out of uni. And you knew, and I we guess. And nurtured her from day one. To scale, you needed to put really good people around you. Yes. So you could step away from the day-to-day -day yeah, and start so it took running a the business. So sort of, but with someone like her, she was amazing because she's a newer and I knew yeah, that her go. standards and her yeah. everything else. And then it, we, from that point, started to try and actually grow and expand the business. So that was probably four years ago. And do you think that you are... A natural entrepreneur because I would say that for me I'm more of a technician when I started my business I called it SRK accounting I didn't call it growth factor it took me seven eight years to sign a client called notepad studio I've had in who an amazing branding agency in Birmingham who told me your name shit you really need a name that actually represents and a brand that represents what you do mm -hmm. I didn't come up with that and some of the things that you've done like recognizing you need senior people. I didn't come up with that. I learned that the hard way, but you've made these moves before making mistakes. I, I was taught that. So I think going through the expansion that we did with the old business, mm. I mean, you talk about making mistakes. Okay, so I mean, you that was learned constantly through that. That was constantly so, so the, out. the lesson there is exposure to an environment where yeah. you will learn those lessons. Yeah. You can so see a business, even like if it's a, not your business. If you went into a yeah. business that was scaling quick and then started your business after, you've learned all those lessons yeah. by observation. So, there were, you know, as, as is always going to be a way, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you learn from those. And we saw loads of that through through that business. And I think that's what get put me in good standing for starting this one. And But going back to what you said, I, I think now I feel like I am at the time. Mm. I wasn't sure because I'd never been ultimately in charge I'd been like number two yeah so I knew I was I, I was pretty capable in terms of doing what needed I knew from a treatment point of view I wasn't concerned about that I knew my abilities in terms of being a physio yeah but after running the business and everything that's is different yeah and I had a worry I was like should I be doing this should I am I better being like that that number two person and like going when it's already established or I wasn't wasn't sure. Um, ended up turning. I got asked to interview for a company that was similar to the kind of intermediary one because they they found me on LinkedIn. And they were like, "You've like 
you've ticked every box. And I probably came across a bit arrogant. I was like, unless, unless you're going to give me shares in the business, I don't want to come and work for the business. And I think I'd have happily worked for my old boss again, yeah. but I don't think I'd have had, had so much respect for him that I don't think I could have done that for someone else. Yeah. And I'd also, I think they wouldn't have been the same and I'd have just been comparing not everything. bought into it. Yeah, yeah. And it would have been a comparison and I still believe now it would have been a, a bad one. Yeah. So they kind of like, they're like, that's a bit bullshit. We've not offered you a role and you're asking for shares. And I was like, mm, I think my background warrants it. But if not, that's fine because I've got my own business currently and it's doing okay. Like, yeah. And so I carried on. And then now where we are now, I'm obviously really glad I didn't. But I think, to go back to your question, I think I've become more entrepreneurial. Built your confidence by executing and then seeing results. Yeah. yeah. And making mistakes and thinking, well, yeah. that didn't work. But then thinking, okay, that's one thing I know that doesn't work. So I won't do that again. Yeah. And I mean, I see you as well, not trying to fix everything all at once. Like when we met, that was because we'd heard of each other because I was training at your gym and doing yes. CrossFit at that time. Yeah. You'd then seen me on Instagram and seen what we did as a chartered accountancy yeah. practice. And we had a specialist niche in the fitness industry. And I think then you must have identified after running your business for a number of years, okay, well, finances and tax optimization is not something that we're really, really on top of. Yeah. Let me reach out and see if we can get a meeting in. And then it went from there. But you weren't trying to fix everything right at the start. You know, you don't need on day one to have a CFO, for example. Yeah. So you've naturally just looked at areas of your business that can improve and brought partners on board over time. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. And as it's kind of grown and evolved and it changes and I can't remember which I was listening to, but it was one of the podcasts. I tend to listen, I listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast quite a lot. Yeah, and Darvis CEO, um, Andrew Huberman, which anyone who's in doing health fitness well should be listening yeah, to. Yeah, it's amazing. It's heavy, but it's amazing. Like the Peter Tier one as well. But again, that's all health, longevity, wellness. But yeah. the guy was, um, I think he'd had a couple of like billion, you know, um, billion dollar companies. And it was really interesting talking about his like the way his startups, he says things seem to, they break to a factor of like, was it three and 10? So from one to three, you can just wing it. Yeah. Then once you get past three, that stops working. Yeah. And between three and 10, you need a different system. Yeah. And after 10, it breaks. And then that system works up to 30. Then that system works up to this point. And it's now where I am now, I actually see that's the case. So going back to what you said, it's uh, this isn't really working now. But we need to address it. So how yeah. does that happen? And that's yeah. probably where we went from the accountant that I was with, who was someone I knew and kind of a friend. And yeah, which works up to a point. Because yeah. I agree, up to 10K a month, 20K a month, 30K a month, you can maybe do a lot of it yourself and do your own planning and have simple financial plans and do basic tax planning and things like that. But after you get through that point, you really need to be on top of real-time information so you can make good decisions. Yeah. You're paying a lot more tax now. So there's more potential to do tax planning and reduce that tax bill. Yeah, it just becomes, I think there's a logical progression to it. Yeah, and if people try and do it all on their own, it's really difficult. You've got access to us now, but you've also got still a relationship with your mentor who's built and scaled businesses to high valuations. And they just naturally know, okay, well, your Tony talks about it in his life cycle of a business. You're an infant, so you can just do everything yourself. Okay, now you're a toddler, so you probably need to think about an accountant maybe a, a, a solicitor to deal with some of the HR things, maybe a mentor or a coach now. Yeah. And then you go to teenager and then you go to this and then you go to that. So 
yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of business owners, a mistake they make is just trying to sit down and work it all out for themselves. Whereas businesses have been run for hundreds of years and there is a natural evolution of what you should do at what point. And you just need someone to tell you, right? And to analyze your business at different areas. Yeah, it's that's really an expert, isn't it? So it's a, uh, if you, you know, you need to sort your diet out, like, or you've got health related issues with your diet, you need yeah. to go and see someone who specializes in yeah. that. And if it's a, uh, you know, you want to prep for a bodybuilding contest. There's going to the gym and then there's building a bit of muscle. But then if you're going to like the extreme, that, that top, top, top end, you probably need a coach. Yeah, it's a that. great analogy. Yeah, you can do your first show probably by yourself and you can get enough content online to diet down. Yeah. And you probably have the accountability when you're young and you don't have a wife and kids and things like that and a business to run. Yeah. You know, like I did my show when I was, I won the teenage Mr. Britain, natural Mr. Britain at 17. I did that with just a little bit of help from the gym owner yeah. who gave me my macros. I stuck to it myself because I had nothing else external, no external pressures apart from college. Yeah. And it was okay. But like now I want to optimize. So I have a coach to tell me how to train, sending check-in pictures every single week. He's got 150 other clients. So he's got that benchmarking ability. He's constantly just, th it's the same thing. You can do your own accounts and finance or you can do your own tax planning or you can do your own strategic planning but once you get to a certain point you've got your mentor who's already 10 steps ahead who says we'll yeah. do this next we'll do this next and i have that for our business as well i think you've also got those areas of expertise so you can have like your niche and your area of expertise but you you can't have loads of them yeah and so the same thing your coach who's doing your macros and your this and the other has a massively deep knowledge of that yeah. and then you get someone that'll have a massive deep knowledge of hormonal function optimization everything yeah else. exactly and then says so someone like me who knows like from the injury and biomechanics and movement point of view yeah and i know a fair bit about training but not as much as your coach and then vice versa your coach will know a little bit about injury and rehabil rehabilitation yeah but not as much as i do and then you almost get exactly. into that like um a false economy of oh, i try and do it myself yeah but you try and do it yourself you don't do it that well because you don't know it well enough yeah. and then you don't get great results. But then the time you spent doing that, you could have been doing the thing you're great at. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost because you're into outsourcing. And Stay in your zone of G. I think about it as Avengers. I've got it on my list of things <laughs> to do for this quarter to yeah. get my team of Avengers in place. Yeah. And I always thought before I spoke to my mentor, even up until a year ago, okay, I need to hire a chief marketing officer. I need to hire this other area. I need to hire this other area. But there's also this phase, we're probably in teenager or... Yeah, probably teenager. We're 10, 12 years in running Growth yeah. Factor. At that stage where you're running a business that's maybe turning over just into the multiple seven figures, you don't necessarily need a full-time chief marketing officer. So you can get some Avengers. One person who comes and does the marketing plan. One person who's a second opinion on the overall business plan. Yeah. Another person who, which is internal at Growth Factor anyway, looks at your finances and your cash flow and does your... Ta yeah. Another person is doing the tax planning. And so on and so on and so on. And within that, even, the marketing plan comes from the chief marketing officer who executes that plan is the mini Avengers. So you've got your SEO expert, you've got your artificial intelligence expert, and you've got all these people now available on Fiverr, or we use Fiverr a lot. I've got someone on Fiverr who lives in America editing this podcast for a fixed amount per episode. Yeah. And if I'm not happy with them at any point, I can just stop them and go to someone else. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people will then hire in, you know, an editor to do it. And then it just becomes another person that you've got to manage. Yeah. 
So I think, yes, you will need to hire, but that's, again, it depends on each business is different, each industry is different as to when you will hire internally and when you will have these freelance avengers. But I think we never had access to this 10 years ago. You could never go on Fiverr and say, well, I want someone to edit a podcast. You would have to hire someone, right? Yeah, and if you look at it that way as well, it's the, and now, I mean, you touch on AI, that's just a whole nother, you know. Yeah, chat GPT is irony just now crazy. Is, I've got this list of AI things that I want to learn about and look into because it will save me time. But I've got to find the time to look into the things that will save me time. But um, I'll give you one thing. Just go to chat GPT, sign up. I've done that. Leave that tab open all the time. Yeah. And ask it questions. And it is just ridiculous. Yeah. I asked it the other day. Well, actually, no, I was showing my kids just to show them, to get them to understand like what's available and that they're banning it in schools now. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So it's then, like, no, embrace it. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Well, we won't get into the whole way that the whole school system is <laughs> yeah. developing, you know, it's built to develop robots to yeah. go into the machine, whereas actually well, we want our about, kids to be... We're talking about health as well. Why that you go in and take a bunch of four-year-olds and make them sit down for eight hours a day? It's like, yeah, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I mean, a guy came out, uh, Kelly Starrett came yeah. out and did a whole thing in America about in schools they should have standing desks or at least desks that alternate between sit and stay. We could do, I mean, I think we'll do a series of these podcasts and dig into different areas because it's so interesting. Like looking at even just, you could talk for an hour about how you optimize your work environment. You know, I've got a sit-stand desk. I don't use it enough, but just a, a platform that sits on the desk that I can push in and go up so I can sit, stand yeah. and just set reminders to do it. And makes them, oh, I'm feeling a little bit lethargic now. Let me just stand up. I was at Tesla working the other day in one of their little booths, yesterday actually. They have a sit-stand desk in the booth that customers can use. Tesla's unbelievable. You go in, they use some sort of radar system to know your car's there. You don't have to give them a key or your phone because they can control it. They tell you what's going on. They're texting you while they're doing the service yeah. as to the progress. You go in, you get coffee, you get a snack or whatever, or not me because I'm dieting. You go into the room, there's a sit-stand desk, there's full internet. And it's just like so different. They've reduced the people so their overheads are lower because they don't need people because... In, if you go to BMW, you go to the front desk, they've got three receptionists that they're paying 25 grand a year. The receptionist then tells you what's going on. You never get to speak to the mechanic. Yep. In Tesla, you walk in. As you're walking in, the mechanic's walking out to talk to you. Hey, how are you doing? This is what we're going to do. Just keep an eye on your app. Da, 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 da. When your car's done, they text you. You go outside. They give you a one-time access code to move the car, and they've put it on charge for you. So that contrast is mad because... My car had a recall for something to do with the charging battery system to go back to BMW. So I was like, all right, get in touch. Working, how long will it take? Oh, well, we're not sure. It's like, okay, so if you don't know, I need a car. Yeah. Okay, we can book you in in nine weeks' time. Is there a risk of my car catching fire? Because you said it's an issue with the charging power, whatever, in the batteries. Yeah. Um, no. So why is there a recall? Well, we've had one or two issues. Like, anyway, so I was like, right, well... Have you, can I, how long will it take? Is there somewhere I can sit and work? Oh, no. No. Yeah. Where is it? And this comes Literally. back to corporate versus, yeah. I know Tesla is a corporate business and we can go into like it's a mobile, Elon and his evil startup. and all of these things, but they're operating, yeah, like they are a startup. How do we do things differently? So one of the things that Tony Robbins talks about, if you're not 
familiar with him, have a look at this. It's seven forces of business mastery, and one of them is strategic innovation. And there's a really great book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Have you ever seen I've that? I've heard of it. I would I really recommend reading it. So what it says is, how do you put yourself in a blue ocean, which is almost like if you imagine a big ocean of red where there's so much competition, and then a tiny little island around it is a little bit of ocean, which is blue. And that's where all of these Teslas, Ubers live. And that's because they found something to differentiate themselves from other competition. So for you, for example, it wouldn't even be the quality of the service because there might be other physios out there with that, although they probably haven't got that Premier League background. It would be, you can go to one place, have all your stuff done, and we look at you holistically. No other physio is offering that right now. So that would put you in a blue ocean. But you have to, each quarter, each six months, each year, redo this strategic innovation exercise because eventually that innovation will not be innovation anymore. Yeah, yeah, it becomes normal. So you have to just keep checking every quarter. Oh, am I still ahead of... Does that make sense? Yeah, I think... I don't know where I was with that, but... Um, it's, it's being different, isn't it? It's being that that's right, and innovative. Just be a little bit different yeah. and a little bit different in the approach. Like now I've realised, because uh, um, someone reversed into my car on the driveway, and Tesla have got... It's not just Tesla. Ferrari do it and some of the other manufacturers used to go to the garage and say, here's the damage, and there'd be this whole annoying process. Now, you just uh, text Tesla, send them pictures. They've got a company that sits in between Tesla and you who organize everything. You don't have to talk to the other insurance company. They just organize everything. They don't charge you anything. They must be taking a cut somewhere. And they're constantly texting you, sending you pictures of your car. Here's where it's going to be updated. They deliver a courtesy car to your house. It's just a totally different process from before. You'd have to phone your own insurance company. So anyway, my point is that if you're in business and you're in an industry, regardless of that industry, how could you innovate and develop and do things differently? Well, you're now making me think, well, maybe I should look at getting a Tesla for my next car because it's just the, the convenience. The only issue with the Tesla is the build quality, even though these new ones that are made in China, you turn the volume up really, really loud and you'll get door rattles. And I've got OCD and it really annoys me. So I'm taking my two Teslas to an audio expert to basically rebuild the doors and upgrade the audio. But that's the only thing that I found that's annoying. Everything else I love. And I bought the cars for cash. And yeah, someone might say, well, why have you put 150 grand cash out on cars? But it's an asset. One of them's a business vehicle, it's only used for work. The other one's a personal vehicle. And they sit there and I've got no monthly payments going out. And for me at that time, although now I'd recommend you finance a Tesla because the the values have fallen off a cliff. At that time, I did it because I didn't want to pay the interest and it was the best form of of doing it. Before I had a Porsche 911 Turbo S. Yeah, I saw that. That was nice. Beautiful car. But that's costing me money and I'm having to pay that out of post-tax dividends and the Range Rover. And it's also the range. I can do 300 miles. It costs me £25 to charge, even with the electricity costs. So, yeah. No, um, yeah, no, I agree. Well, like, as you know, mine's, mine's electric, and the next one, whenever it comes, is electric as well. Now, for Achieve Health, do you think it's logical for a business owner to do what you do, which is, let's talk at the, about the triangle, attract, convert, deliver. In terms of attract, you're getting people in because they've got a need. Yes. And that initial cost investment for them, for you to build trust, is not that high. Yeah. And then you can build up the transactional value yes. and the recurrence over time. Is there any other way that people come to you? Do they come to you straight away 
for ongoing treatment? Do they come in the gym and then revert back to treat? Do you have a conscious yeah like lead gen process or is it just you've made yourself optimized for local area because you're a local area physical business and so people find you on google and things like that this yeah so you've got the people find us on google um so we've got everything that runs around that so we've got our website seo we've got a pay-per-click and you know the the pay-per-click in particular is actually a very effective way um of generating leads for our business because and do you track spend yes to yeah, so on our inquiries and then yeah. you know all of that yeah. yeah yeah brilliant so we've got you know it's an acquisition cost of whatever it is it varies a little bit week to week month to month and people might reason. think i should know the answer to that being your accountant but i don't do your accounting i just run the accounting business that <laughs> your accounting. so i know anish who's your accountant would have had those conversations yeah. with you but yeah. that's that's why i'm asking yeah. that so question. that works quite well for us because that's been established over time the company that run it for us uh, are good they focus on uh, like you focus on health wellness fitness in your business that's what yeah. they do they've niched down into that the google partners all the other things and they can tell you okay okay there's so a limit to, you can't just throw more money at it because there's a there's a cap on how many people are actually searching yeah but here's an optimum amount to spend here's how much you spent that month here's how many leads you got you know your lead conversion yeah so therefore, you know, okay, I spent a thousand pounds on paperclip, but I generated two thousand pounds in in income. You can look at that. What we'll know is it, it, it yeah, it'll average down to your right. You had so many clicks. You can you can track the bookings effectively as well. Yeah. Most people now don't call up, which is great. They go through to the website, they click the book now, and they put book online. Yeah. So that's all tracked. And you can track all that with yeah. a pixel. And equally, yeah, and equally, it knows if they clicked on make a phone call, and then we'll know we're probably going to convert sixty percent of those. Yeah. So you can then say, yeah, you've sp- you're, you've generated this many leads. Your acquisition cost per lead is, is 9, 12, 14, 16 pounds, whatever it is. Yeah. We know that the we're going to do probably an average of at least six sessions. Yeah. Um, so you can you can do the maths. Happy days. And what we've done over the past, well, this year actually, we've started really trying to dive down into more detail where all of the guys now kind of have to input their, their weekly stats because the system isn't complex enough to do it. Yeah. Because we know, so if someone's discharged six patients because they're all better yeah and then they discharge another four and then another four the week after that's going to create gaps in the diary yeah so you then have this balance of my sort of four senior guys you we have a good problem of if you're like i need an well we've had this challenge where it's like can you see me on friday it's like i haven't got an appointment for three weeks because yeah. the diary's full yeah. which is kind of a good problem but it's actually not a good business yeah so we're then looking at as well how do we better manage this and then where for the guys who have got a little bit more space in the diary it's when they are full, monitoring how many new patients are coming in and how many patients are going out and, yeah. and getting clarity of that and saying, well, actually, if they've not had as many new patients in here, but they've had this many discharges here, we know that in four weeks' time, that's going to end up with holes in the diary. Yeah, and you can start to plan So now that. we then map that. It's like, right, we can then have a weekly increase the ad spend, decrease the ad spend. We've not got any appointments for the next three weeks, decrease the ad spend because someone's yeah. going to click. Yeah. So I want an appointment because their knee hurts. Yeah. Well, I can't get an appointment for three weeks. I'm going to go somewhere else. So you're constantly checking the data around lead inquiries, spend, but also linking it to, to capacity. So we, exactly and it's just that. that fine balancing act of scaling while making sure there's enough demand that you aren't paying people and they've got free slots. Yes. But if people want an appointment, they can get it within a reasonable yes. time. So we're trying to hone in on that and make sure that we're not, someone clicks on the ad, we're paying for it. But then they can't book an appointment within three weeks. They understandably, yeah. they're probably going to try and find something else. And are you responsible for that, or have you got someone in your team that looks at that sales and marketing dashboard? Yes. Yeah, so what I'm doing now is 
trying to build more of my my team members into this more management aspect of it so i can try and have more of this kind of ceo type role whereby there's obviously the physio business there's the fitness business there's the aesthetics business which is about to launch i then have kind of the pregnancy ultrasound scanning thing that's slightly separate yeah definitely an entre- definitely an entrepreneur um like sitting around being able to say how is this what's going on with that yeah so at the moment i'm in the process of kind of building those guys up into these are all the things that need to be done yeah and then what's really interesting now i'm doing that is like oh they've actually got the time to now do this 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 and this which has been on my list of things to do but i've not been able to get around to so you know i think we're at the so point rather where than I'm, I'm the bottleneck so rather and as well which is a really good piece of advice that we do you assign a certain piece of each person's week who would be doing physio treatment or would be doing delivery to some of these management tasks, which also is a way to progress their own careers. It's a way to add variety. And also they understand the business rather than just bringing in some fresh person whose total role it is, is is to be on top of sales and marketing. Why not in your stage of business take a piece and allocate it around across the team. You can run a much leaner business that way. And also you're getting people much more involved in the business. They feel part of the business. Yeah, I think from from the old business that worked, it did what it did because we had great people, but it's because we promoted from within. Yeah. So there was hardly anyone that came into the business in any kind of senior position at all. Everyone came up. So yeah. they were part of our culture. Yeah. And have you, have you read the book Good to Great? Yes, a long time ago. But yeah, yes, Jim, Jim, Jim Collins. Yes. yes. And it's that same thing. Those, if people don't know it, it's essentially, I mean, it's a bit dated now, but it's an, anal- an analyst of the most successful businesses. Mm. Criteria was, I think it was 15 or more years of outperforming the market by more than five times. Okay. And there were only like 12 companies and it wasn't Apple and it wasn't all these other ones. And yes, this was, I think the book came out in the, um, about 2005 or six. Yes, yeah, a classic. So it it obviously would be completely disrupted now by Facebook and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the common themes across all these businesses. But though I think the thing to note is we're not trying to make this podcast for the Apples and the Facebooks. We're trying to make this for owner-managed businesses. Yes. And, and that book will be totally relevant. Yeah, to so I think everyone should read it. or li- I, I listen to it. I don't... I travel a little bit in the car. I'm in the car for probably three, four hours a week. Yeah. So that, that net time to, is a book net, every No extra weeks. time, yes. Another yeah, Tony yeah. Robbins thing. But um, that book was brilliant in that it's all of those companies that succeeded all ended up with CEOs who they promoted from within. Yeah. And all of the comparison companies that parachuted in these superstar execs had increased performance for a year or so and then did not. And then it, and it was consistent across all of them. Yeah. And, and the message now all the way through is you're only as good as your people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And the analogy now that I, find, I thought was great in that was um, the most successful companies get the right people on the bus. Yeah. They don't even worry about where they're going. They don't know what the destination is, but they know if they've got the right people on the bus that so when they get there, they'll make it work. Yeah. Whereas if you've got the wrong people on the bus, it's poisonous. And I, I saw that in the previous business and I saw how having the wrong people in, it's toxic. And that's because you've recruited, maybe they've got the right qualifications and the right CV, but what they don't have is the is aligned culture and values. Yes, exactly that. Which is why cultural-based recruitment is so much better than just looking at someone's CV. Obviously, if you're recruiting accountants, we want people who are chartered accountants, they've got the qualification, they've got experience. It's a basic box of tips. Yeah, but then it's more about like a growth factor. If you speak to 
any other team, even if it's offshore Philippines team or offshore India team, they've all got the same mentality. We could all go out, have a meal, and we'd all be similar kinds of people. I've, I've recruited, what, two two staff in the physio business over the past 18 months. I've done 50-something interviews. <laughs> that is crazy. And Maybe you need to look at your, in, your process where you're pushing them through to interview. It's... It's, but you're in that box ticking operation of you've got the qualification, you've got yeah, the Yeah, so it's hard to determine you've said all until the right you talk stuff to on your CV. Yeah. Do you know what we did though that would be might be useful? We put this thing in as a second stage where they had to answer questions on video on their webcam. Oh, that's a good shout. It's automatic. So they book in, you say, yep, you've gone through. Next step is go to this website. There's six questions. I just want you to turn your webcam on and just answer the questions. No more than a minute or two on each. Then I have my, so in the Philippines team, I have my senior Philippines accountant watch the videos first. She will tell us yes or no for Yasa to interview them. In the UK, um, Yasa will watch them. But he, you can literally then watch a video for 30 seconds and be like, nah. Yep. It's golden. Because if good. you get on Zoom with someone, or worse for you, they've come into your I clinic. I don't do that now. I'm you have to that. talk to them then for an hour. I'd highly recommend it. Also, That's then you're only really putting people through. You've got the confidence to sit on camera and do a video. Whereas you want people in clinic who are confident, amiable people. They have to have confidence to be able to... They've got to be great communicators. Or even on their iPhone, you can do it. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, the same for us. They've got to be great communicators. But the best therapist, the best communicator. But I think if you go to anything that's face-to-face, coaching, strength training, personal training, name what it is. Yeah. The, the, basis, you know, the basic skills of how well someone comes across is actually quite hard to teach. Yeah. You can teach the other stuff. As long as they're capable of learning and yeah, information. If someone's a good learner, I can teach them to do everything they need to do. Yeah. But if they don't have that inherent ability to be a great yeah. communicator and that personality, it doesn't matter. Because if someone's the technically the best clinician in the world, yeah. technically the best strength coach or the best whatever it is, but if they can't get that person to go and their client to go on a journey with them, yeah. they'll lose them. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So you need to know what you want. Yeah. So for me, I don't have to have every one of my accountants be like that because I can, I'm not going to name their names because I'll embarrass them. But I've got one who is a terrible public speaker and would never record online content and all of those things. In a meeting on Zoom, talking about their core area of content, which is accountancy, finance and tax. Yeah, they're great, but you would never put them in front of a camera or put them up on stage. So you can develop these accountants to have different secret strengths, superpowers. And they're different people, yeah. right? That's cool. Okay, so conversion for your business is all done by booking an appointment and they come in. So the conversion yes. is really done on the website. It's not really done. Anymore. You don't have a phone, sales phone process, right? Or anything not, like that. You know, we're trying to avoid it really. So, so we've making got, sure your website looks yeah. good, the copy is yeah. good. You've got someone helping you with that. Yeah. Are they tracking as well from version one of the website to where it is now? making changes to the website the wording the look the feel the flow to increase conversion um probably not into that detail now so we will look at comparing what it was like then to what it's like now or comparing conversion rates to industry standard or benchmarking things like that industry standard is a really difficult one to compare to because there's so much so how do you know whether your website well so so let me let me rephrase that so um what we do get from our guys is that they're they're entirely in this 
physios, chiropractors. So they know. The they don't need so to like, bother you yeah, with that detail. This they is a website that converts well. Great. Okay. Um, but what they also then know is all the other campaigns they run. Yeah. They're like, yours is converting really well. Yeah. Uh, and we've been with them a long time and kind of they had a, he had an issue with a previous business partner who tried to pull the rug out from under him. Yeah. So we had a conversation four or five years ago. He was like, I need you, please. I need you to, to stay with us. Yeah. And I was like, I trust you, I believe you're fine. Yeah. And the payoff of that now is that we get relatively cheap rates compared to what they now charge. Yeah, because you were well. loyal and you've built a long-term yeah. relationship with and a key so partner. I, and again, because I've got such a good relationship and trust, I know that we're getting told the truth on that. So yeah. we have that side of it. But going back to what you also said, one of the things I'm, I've tried to set up within the business is that once someone's in the business, they never leave. Yeah. Now, what I mean by that is not that they continually have physio treatment, but if they're in for physio treatment and for the majority of people... It's the best thing for your health because chances are you don't train, yeah. or if you do train, it's maybe not optimal. Yeah. Is you go and see one of the guys at the gym who I've handpicked, yeah. who I can communi- direct, communicate directly with, as the other guys will be able to say this, to work on this Maria point of view, but to work on this for your general so health. So they can well-being. build a bespoke program so for that person. So then they're into the gym. And then equally, we've got our members at the gym, and if they have an issue or an injury or problem, yeah. they're straight into the physio. Yeah. And now we're, we're bringing in the aesthetic side of the business. So your Botox, your fillers, your fat dissolving injections. Yeah, and we spoke about that. And that's about people will talk to each other. I've had Botox. Um, it's quite funny because my eyes are a bit red at the moment because I got some retinol. It's called retinol. You might not know what that is yet, but you will. Oh, when not when your aesthetics people is. come in, they'll know. Basically burns away your wrinkles. <laughs> so I was using this retinol every day in the morning yeah. and then going out in the sun. Because I just took it in a hurry from the clinic, and I oh, didn't. Oh wow! They, so it was then they wanted to yeah. explain to me how to use it. I was like, no, no, I'm in a rush. It's not their fault. It's not the clinic's fault. Anyway, I'll switch to your clinic when it opens. Um, and what you're supposed to do is use it maybe twice a week and use it in the evening. And Does that's it. Cause, it. Does it inflame the skin and cause like yeah, a collagen yeah. reaction? So like now yeah. my face is. It's quite funny if you think about it. I'm just sort of burning my face away as you go happily going out. What's going on? What's going on? But I talk about that. I get the Botox. The Botox was amazing. It looks good. You can't really tell that I've had it done. And then I'll tell someone else and someone else. So you've got this community in the gym. Once you launch aesthetics, someone comes in. Oh, they look a bit better. What have you done? Oh, I've gone and just done a bit with the aesthetics. So so that feeds around. But then equally, the people that come and see us for physio, privately, we're we're not cheap probably have the funds and yeah. probably actually already do have aesthetics done. So it's what so can you do for them yeah, that's so complimentary. Quite, exactly. And then you get into the whole, for me, people are, especially in our industry or like, sorry, the clinicians are like, they don't like sales. Yeah. Cause they're, when they're not trained to, and it's not what they're naturally inclined to do, otherwise they're probably going to do sales. Yeah. But you then get into, and I think this is the same for anyone that's in the health and fitness industry is well, what, what is actually the best thing? Remove cost, remove payments, remove everything else. What is what is the best thing for the long-term health of, of that person? Yeah. And their confidence. So aesthetics is yeah. not health, but it's confidence, which well, health can pervade into health. Health, complete state of physical, mental, and social well-being, yeah. not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. Okay. So when yeah. that's the, so like, it's the definition. Yeah. So when you look at that bigger picture, right, so get someone out of pain, get them able to exercise, that's, that's a big pillar of it. Yeah. Um, get them exercising regularly, get them building strength, get them feeling better about their physique and feeling fitter, that's a big component of it. Mm. If you then can address the, the, when they look in the mirror, rather than think, oh, actually, and having now seen it with a few clients, they they come in and they're like, they're happier. Yeah. 
because of the, the way they look because they've had that they'll, slight change they'll train harder in the gym they're more likely to stick to their diet when they're at work they're confident probably their sales conversion yeah. will go up they're, they're, the things that they're doing will be different it, it's, it compounds so in isolation they kind of stand alone but when they all come together it's like a synergistic effect that yeah. multiplies it further yeah I love that and then oh, there's a oh, bookmark there's um, a brilliant Andrew Huberman podcast come out recently about dopamine yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. And it it drives everything about, we do. Yeah. And he's everything, talking about everything, your behavior and all these things. Yeah. And also interesting, he talks about rhodiola as a pre-workout, but um, and everyone should listen to that, that dopamine one and understanding yeah. what makes your dopamine go up, go down, but what that will then trigger you to do. Yeah. And it's fascinating because then you can then extrapolate that and you think about your clients, your customers and why they behave the way they behave and why you behave the way you behave. Yeah. And if you go into that, their pain's better, their fitness is better, their strength is better, their physique looks better, they look better. Their dopamine's going boom, 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 boom. And when you've got like this consistently high level, you don't, people crave the junk foods and all the shit because they yeah. think it's giving them that short-term improvement in dopamine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it drives our behavior. And so if you tick those boxes, they're here, and as you said, they perform better at work and then works better and then works better. So the homework, because they're going home, they're like, oh, work was good today. You're not getting in the door and seeing your partner or your kids and you're not exhausted or nasty. I had a shit day. And it's just everything comes up. Not philosophy, but general process of slowly raising that base level of your achievements, your potential. And every little thing you achieve gives you dopamine. Up and up and up and up. Yeah, I love that. So every little target, boom, dopamine hit, dopamine hit. And you'll, you'll feel it. So next time we're going to talk about what I actually wrote as notes, okay, which will be part two. No, I think it's been so good. Do you know what? I don't like planning these podcasts because let it go in a natural direction. And for whatever reason, I thought we won't focus on business today because I know you've got so much and we've both got so much good stuff we could talk about in terms of mindset. We've touched a little bit on it, physical and all of those things. But we'll do that in a part two because actually the business journey and how you run your business and the differences is going to be so useful for people. So stay tuned for part two. That's going to be, I wrote down, health, diet, training, mindset, learning. We'll get into Tony Robbins on the next one as well. But I don't want to, we could sit here for three hours. I want to make sure that this is concise and leave people wanting more. And I know that they will be after this one because I've actually loved our conversation so far. If you were going to give people three keys who are in your industry to success in business what would those be and it can be a repetition of what you've talked about Um, but just sort of short sharp succinct things it's almost like bullet points imagine we're trying to turn it into a reel yeah what would be your three keys to success i think you've got to try and add massive value so people are going to come in with an expectation of i want you to I'll revert back to the physio because that's my original training. Um, but whatever your service delivery is, they're coming in with an expectation of, I'm going to have, I, I expect this. Yeah. So you've got to meet that. But then how do you go beyond that? And how do you offer more than that? Yeah. Because then you get that, I mean, you're going to the raving fans and all that sort of thing. But if you exceed someone's expectations, you're going to have a customer that comes back and tells their friends. Yeah, you have raving fans and the ability yeah. of raving fans and is that they'll give referrals and then yeah. those people will be raving fans and so exactly. on. And, so and that's, I think, ultimately something that helps you grow a business. And we yeah. talk about it with our guys when we do our team trainings is you tend to remember really, really good things and really, really bad things. Yeah. You get what's in the middle. And it's all based on, I've got a, a frame picture upstairs which says, trade your expectations for appreciation from Tony. 
yes. which you try and do to the best of your ability. But human nature is you have expectations for everything. And if you can exceed the expectation, yeah. that's where the happiness comes yes. in. If you meet the expectation, no, I'm not going to tell anyone yeah. about that. I think in, in going to the physio side of it again as well, is communicate, especially those early interactions, kind of almost under promise, yeah. better explain why and then over deliver. Yeah, 100%. So if you're coming in and saying, can you fix my back? I say, look, there's no guarantees. Yeah. There's all these variables. However, if we tick these boxes, we should see a good outcome. Yeah, and I used to make the mistake of... And in my head, I'd be like, yeah, we're going to sort it out. Yeah, and I used to make the mistake of over-promising and under-delivering because I really wanted to sign that client because I needed the money, I needed the income. Now at Grow Factor, we under-promise and we'll say, we'll save you X amount of tax, guaranteed we'll save you tax, and then we'll do more. Or we'll do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be feeling this way about your numbers, you'll have this financial clarity, but then... We don't even talk about giving them strategic insights or business planning templates or things like that. So it's those little things that you hold back. If you can convert that client and then give them more, 100%. Okay, number two. Number two is don't be passive. Yeah. So, you know... um, This comes back to your example of getting on the phone, pretending to be the head of... Yes, partly that. I think... um, Again, there's a brilliant quote, and I can't remember what it is, but it's hope is not a strategy is one of the key parts of it. Uh, yeah. And it is. Um, so, like, you know, look, I, I, I don't really believe in luck. I feel like people make their own luck. Yeah, and when something happens, or they actually, make their own complaints. if you analyse it, it's, a, it's the result of a series of, series of actions that you've taken that have led to that thing happening. And it's yeah. not, look, because if you hadn't done A, B or C, you'd never have got to D. Yeah. Uh, so I don't... I, so set your goal yeah. and then yeah. be confident, consistent... Yeah. And be responsible. So yep. um, that kind of, I know the book, Extreme Ownership. I don't know if you've read that one. Yeah, I've read it. I've got it upstairs, actually. But that, you know, take responsibility. And if something's not worked, why is it not worked? Like, drill down into it, analyze it, work out what it was and what hasn't worked. And yeah. so you, it doesn't happen again. Yeah. And don't blame it on someone else. And don't hide from, if there's something negative or someone makes a complaint, like, see, it's an opportunity. Yes, the best thing ever. Because they end up being your best customer. So if you yeah. can drive, what's wrong? What Right, we're going to fix it. Yeah. And you might have to take it on the chin and say, right, right, we're going to sort this out. You're going to come in and see me. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to charge you. Yeah. Um, we're going to rectify the situation. And then they're like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. And you turn and you a negative into a positive. You genuinely, if, you're, if you've got the right mindset and confidence about your business, you want people to tell you what's wrong. Exactly. Otherwise, yeah. how do you fix it? I'm always saying to my kids every single day, every time you fail, you learn. It's not a failure. It's learning. If we're not failing on a daily basis, you know, like football training that I take with my under nines, I say to them when they've got this look on their face like, this is hard. <laughs> it's supposed to be hard. Yeah. If it's easy, you're just playing with your mates. You come to training. Yes, it's fun, but it's supposed to be hard. That's how you're getting better. Okay, number three. Number three... I think communication is a massive one. So learn, make, take that time to learn about communication, how to communicate, how you come across. You know, if you're dealing with people, I think it's hugely valuable for people to do it for themselves and then learn about basic personality behavior profiling. So you've got your disc profiling, yeah. um, which is people may or may not be aware of where you get split into four broad categories. So you've got your red, blue, yellow, green. Yeah. And understanding that there are opposites. So I'm very red with bits of yellow. And uh, I think greens are my opposite. And so I came across this, I had a client who did high level profiling for like high level business. So yeah. they're going to bring an exec as part of the team, as part of the board. Do they fit with the rest of the team or are they going to clash because they can't have that? 
So she's like, I'll do it for you. It's free. Um, I'm intrigued. Like, I think it'd be interesting. So she does it. She's like, oh, you're red, you're blue. You're da -da -da -da. Sorry, you're red and yellow. And she's like, these people really annoy you. I was like, oh my God, they <laughs> infuriate me. And she was like, what you need to understand is yeah. you're their opposite. So that's what they think of you. And I sat there and I was like, okay. shit. And she's like, so all the, think about now, those people that have come in to see you and it's just not gone well and you've not connected with them. And I was like, I, there's like three in my head that just, it was just a battle. And she yeah, was and like, they were been, just probably It could have been so different. She's like, so then you learn to recognize the basic traits. So I went to one of her courses that she did. And without knowing anyone, she stood everyone up. She said, right, you in that corner, you in that corner, you over there, you over there, forward, and moved everyone individually. Based on what we were wearing, yeah. she'd categorized us into the four main personality types. And she was pretty much bang on. Wow. Just purely on the outfit we turned up yeah. in. And why that's important is, which I'd forgotten about actually, but I need to build that back into my workflow. My team need to know how to effectively communicate with their clients yeah. on an individualized basis. So if you're in a service business, I think what you're saying is that customer comes in, ideally, ahead of their first session, you've got information off their new client form, which allows you to determine what type of person they'd be on that disc profile and amend the way that you communicate with that person so that you can get the best out of them yeah. in terms of the treatment, but also in terms of building a relationship. Yeah, that, in, in terms of building that rapport, because you've got, you've got your individual behavior and this class is your adaptive behavior. And that you'll, if you know the key traits of the four main, someone comes in, yeah. and by the time they've come in, you said, oh, hi, how are you? How's your day? You should be, oh, right. They're more blue, they're more green, they're more yellow. And then you adapt yours because people tend to like people that are more similar to them. And obviously yeah, you can yeah. get into mirroring and all those things. Yeah. But if someone's quite quietly spoken and you're like high oh, energy and you're up here, yeah. you're going to turn them off. And then obviously the other yeah, way around. 100%. So but then, so that I think in terms of your communication with clients, but if you've got a team or work in a team, um, have you come across Enneagram? No. So I listened to one of uh, Peter Diamandis on the podcast. Okay. And he was talking about this Enneagram personality profile. So there's eight types. Yeah. And the thing that's fascinating with that is it's more comprehensive in terms of different types but it then tells you the interactions. So what's likely okay. to go well and what's likely to go wrong when an eight interacts with a two. Got it. So in terms of your then, if have you've you, got- Have you done this yeah. with your wife? Yeah, and it was comical. At your best, you're like this. You're like, yeah, that is us. We were awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At your worst, you're like this. You're like, oh, yeah, literally like, shit. But what's also good is it then it talks to you about their key kind of drives and needs and wants. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're quite different in certain ways, my wife and I. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, I don't know, she might not listen. There's like some people are internal validators and it's like they can look at something objectively and go, yeah, I've done that well. Yeah. I don't really care what anyone else says. Yeah. Whereas she's more on the other side of it and he's someone to say, that was really good. Yeah. And so that's not something I'm very good at. But once you have that information, you can change your behavior and then exactly. your relationship is better. Yeah. But then that, again, that interaction with your people that work with you so what's going to motivate them, what isn't, and then how you have a conversation with them about their performance is you change the words yeah. and you can get a completely different response. And that's like a, really your powerful. team operates like the best football teams do. If you look at Man City at the moment, they almost know what the other player's going to do without even looking. Yeah. They, they understand each other, right? Okay, cool. We talked a little bit about tracking, marketing and sales metrics and finances. 
What was the reason that you came to Grow Factor when we first sat down in the first place? What was the reason? Um, the reason was I was unhappy with my assistant accountant who basically turned around and says, oh, by the way, you've got, um, you've got this bill this year. And I was like, excuse me? Yeah. No, this is literally your job. I'm not, this is not meant to happen. For me to yeah. turn around and say, you've got wallet. There you go. I was like, what are you doing? Um, and then got on a, had a phone call or a meeting and ended up me being the one that made suggestions about how to rectify the situation. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm paying for this. Yeah. And then we'd spoke briefly in the past and then you knew you were involved with Anthony Robbins. And I thought, oh, we, you know, they've got to be, got to have something about them to be involved in that. So I thought, let's have a conversation. And it just, you know, it, I think it fitted well in it. It's no. about, again, building performance, longevity, and the business is at a point now where I need like a, you know, a monthly P&L and what's going here and there and there and all the other things. And to have that, that clarity of exactly what's happening in the business. Yeah. And what's been your experience so far? Like how, what's been different from your previous accountant to working with the growth actor team? So I say I've been, had to be a lot more involved, but that's not, that's obviously a good thing in that in doing that, I'm then more aware of what's the, the, the smaller details. Cause I'm, my personality type is I'm not overly detail orientated. It's like, yeah. like that's the goal. Owners, yeah. Like, right, that's how we're going to get there. We just, let's go and do it. Yeah. I'm not, not really going to spend hours planning out the details of how to start doing it and yeah. learn as you go along. But that isn't necessarily great from an accounting yeah. point of view. So just organizing that, having zero set up properly and having little mileage tracked properly and, um, uh, the decks and the receipt track and all those things and then it's like oh I've now got a system but what that's now allowed me to do is for the guys that are self-employed with me say right you need to use Dext yeah. you need to use Tripcatcher you need to do this yeah. and they're like oh wow this has been so helpful yeah. so it's kind so of it's then enabled them what to I do what they need on. to do yeah so you've got yes. all of their information so that's been great and then now we're getting to the point where we're looking at you know, it's our month-to-month accounts and the PNL and what's happening here and so looking at the numbers yeah. and making strategic yeah. decisions and from then, the numbers. So we've then had Anderson right based on this and this and this. Your corporation tax bill next year is likely to be this. So you're not so ever going to get that situation of a bill out of nowhere. Yeah. So and also, if you know roughly what it is now, we can start doing tax planning yeah, to we'll reduce that. Side. So there's there was enough money in the account. He's like, right, let's take yeah. that. And he's like, you're with Starling. And he's like, yeah, right, Starling got these things. So basically, it's a separate savings account. Take that there, put it there, forget about it. And then... Yeah, so he's given you a simple system yes. to manage your cash flow without any complexity. Yeah. That's cool. That, that was where, as I said, with when it's one or two people, you yeah. can, it's easy enough to do. And are you happy? Would you recommend us to other businesses in your them. industry? Yeah, you have. Yes, so, yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I think is so amazing. And it just loops in as a nice way to finish. If you do a good job and you do go above and beyond, you will get referrals. You've referred me to two or three people already within working. That was actually, you know, a little while back. We'd only been working together two or three months. So to me, that shows without even checking with Anish and the team, are you delivering that you're happy? So if you have a business and you're listening to this or you're watching it and you're not getting referrals, you have an issue and the issue is you're not delivering enough value to your clients um, yes. if you have a service so business. So what I would say to that, so just to digress slightly, what we would say to our therapist is the single biggest measure of your performance is yep. if you get what we call a self-generated pay. So you come in, you have to be like, that was great, you tell your mates to come in or your yep. wife, whatever else. Yep. I, don't, I don't need to know anything else. 
So muscle strength, muscle mass is the single biggest predictor of mortality. Yeah. In our business, the ability to self-generate a referral is the single biggest predictor of performance. Yeah. Because regardless of even whether you've got the person better, they think what you've done is great and they've recommended someone else. Yeah. So if we're talking about performance, the one metric for us is how many self-generated And you've sat you down get. and you've given your team members that key performance indicator and you're enabling them with their KRAs, key result activities, what can they do to improve the level of referrals, which I think is incredible. We didn't have KPIs in our business for about the first six or seven years. If you have staff, they need to have, we said this last week as well, they need to have KPIs, key performance indicators, even if it's just one, so they understand what they're aiming towards and KRAs, key result activities, how can I do my job to best give me the chance of improving that KPI or hitting that KPI. See, I've never heard that. That's real. I like that, KRA. Yeah, K result activity. So for example, for Growth Factor, every single one of our clients, we have this Google sheet called a, an ROI tracker. It's called something else, but basically tracks the return on investment. And we categorize it into qualitative advice that we've given you. I think we're setting you up a group structure and we've done yeah, certain other done, things. Yeah. That will be qualitative right now because it won't instantly save you tax. But in the future, that will move into the quantitative column. Okay, we set up a group structure for you. It saved you 55 grand in tax. So every time we save you tax by something we do, we put it in the Google Sheet. Every time we give you advice, or maybe we advised you to up your pricing by a slight amount and, and how you could do that, because we've shown you that you can track the optimum price. I won't get into that now, but and we've moved yeah. the price. We, we would track everything. If we give you qualitative advice and your feedback was that was amazing because it allowed me to free up X amount of time in my week, we track that. This tracker gets looked at by a level above. And this is one of the components that we look at and it gives the team then over time, okay, well, I did this and this was the result. So if these are the results, the KPIs, the KRAs are over here in what did you do? So if referrals is a KPI, a KRA, one of them, is keeping that ROI tracker up to date and making sure inside there, every single month, quarter, year, whatever it is, depending on the client, size of the client, there's something in the quantitative column, like you actually gave them a return, yeah. and there's stuff in the qualitative column. So I think before an accountancy firm, and most accountancy firms, as far as I can see, don't even think about that. They just think their job is to file accounts. Yeah, I, I would it. say they're very, my old one, completely passive yeah whereas that's to me true proactivity but yeah KRAs I mean you're doing it anyway it's just a different terminology right how can people find you you're not a big Instagram person are you I'm terrible you've got a lot of amazing things to say though you should be putting out content I think you should have your own personal brand and you should put your thoughts out into the world <laughs> I know it's an extra job to maybe do, but um you know what? That's I. I think I've got an, uh, my own issue with that. I don't know where I have no problem following other people who do the same thing and who've got great content, and I love the certain podcast and everything yeah. else. Yet, I've always had a bit of a thing about doing it myself. I don't know why. Well, my feedback would be: this has been unbelievable. Really enjoyed it. Genuinely, yeah, so you. much value. Uh, and it may not be something you do now, but I would highly consider like creating your own context. I think you've got so many things to say that are unique, not repetition of other people. And you've got so much experience 
we could genuinely do a 10 podcast series and not run <laughs> out of things to say, then. which I've not had, right? So it's been amazing. You are based in the West Midlands. Yes. So if people are in the West Midlands and they want to achieve more with their bodies, fulfill their potential, any aspect of that, they've got aches and pains or they just want to, for me, it was just about optimizing and being a better version of myself. Yeah. Google Achieve Health. Yeah. They'll find the website, book to get in touch. Is that probably the best way to find you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be, yeah, through the uh, website um, and you you probably will find me on some social media somewhere, but you won't find anything recent. <laughs> Google. I, I cut it out years ago because I found it, it was just a distraction. Yeah, you have to have ways of creating and then not consuming, which yes. is really difficult, but I'm working on it and I can go through a few things with you. you. Like creating the content and posting the content not on the platform using a different app. Yeah. So you're then not tempted to go and scroll and yeah. setting up things that stop the scrolling and all of that. But we, we could talk about that. That'd be helpful. Appreciate thank it. you for coming on. Oh, thank you for We'll definitely me. do it again. Next time, let's dig into health, mindset, physical fitness. And then there'll be, hopefully, if you can spare the time. We can wander off again on different We can tangents. wander off again. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. I'm sure you'll agree that today's episode was amazing. I'm sure you're going to be rewinding, pausing, making notes, taking so much value from it. I think I could create about 150 reels from this episode with so much insight so much expertise definitely if you're in the health and fitness industry but even if you're just running a service business everything that we talked about is relevant to you so thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one Bye.